you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Get comfortable, we're going to be here for a while. Sit down, And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossip! Fucking camera in the jump. Mr. Boom Gasper! You can call me Al, you can call me Ed, you just, just fucking call me, why don't you? everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and today well this is a pretty big week because we've decided to do something massive let's start from the beginning and sort of explain what we did we did not one but two episodes right now you are listening to episode number two if you want to listen to it in chronological order this would be the second one that you'd want to listen to the first episode of this red rocks 1995 famous shows famous landmark we put that on our patreon account patreon.com slash live on four legs for all the patrons to listen to if you are interested in that head on over to patreon i would listen to that one first just so you kind of that's a good table setter right there that kind of dip your toe into the water on what we're about to get into and what we're about to talk about so all of you guys that are on patreon or if you're deciding to join Patreon right now, it's only $1. If you just want to throw in the $1 just for Red Rocks, go right for it. And I'd start with that just because it'll kind of key you into some of the things. And you don't need it. You don't need it. But I know a lot of you like starting in chronological order. So I'm going to wait for you guys. This is what we're going to do. We're going to wait for you guys. And then all you got to do is pause this, go to the other episode, listen to the other episode. And right now... We'll be right back for you. So we're going to wait right here. And now you're back. See, there was as easy as that. All you had to do was just go listen to the other episode. And now you're back. And if you didn't go and listen to the episode, well, here you are. Great. We have a full episode to do on Red Rocks Night 2. And we can't wait to get to it. It's a famous show and lots of cool, unique stuff going on. So let's not take any more time. Randy Sobel over here. John Farrar over there. Hello. Yo, yeah, so we did the night one episode, and we kind of recorded that before recording this, so we kind of have that under our belt a little bit, but, however, you know, there there are some themes for kind of the landscape of 
both shows put together that make sense that we need to talk about because the Red Rocks is a, a very famous venue and uh, it's kind of amazing that this is the only time that they were able to play there, but this really almost could be the only time that they that they'd be able to play. Yeah, if you think about it was the the Ticketmaster stuff, they were looking for kind of alternative places to play and ways to get around that. So they went to some unconventional places, you know, starting a tour in Casper, Wyoming is not necessarily the way that you draw it up when you're when you're doing the planning, but that's the way it worked out. There was supposed to be a show in Utah before this that ended up getting canceled. And, you know, a few days later in San Francisco, Ed gets sick. The You know, everybody knows the story or you should. You've heard it before. Neil has to come out, help them out. Then they have to cancel dates, make up dates. Tour-wise, it was kind of a disastrous year, but the shows that we did get were unbelievable. And this is this one's no exception. This is an all-timer. Yeah, and this is this is one of the regrets that I have of just, you know, me being my age and me, you know, not having the access to all the bootlegs when I did because this would be something that I'm sure had I been a huge fan like late 90s, early 2000s and really digging into the live catalog during this, this would be a well sought after show because this felt like one that everybody was chasing on bootleg, especially night two. Night night one, I mean, that's that's a pretty standard 1995 show, but night two is so different. And one of the things that I kind of want to address here is if you're creating the timeline of Pearl Jam shows and kind of saying, pinpointing as, okay, this was a change here, this is something that happened here that's really important, I feel like Red Rocks would have to be something that you need to spot out because the way that they put together the first part of the set list, that's something that they bring back in later shows like Mansfield, The Gorge, various other shows where they would add in, you know, at some points, eight to nine opening tracks just kind of as a preset that are sit down songs. And it kind of set this precedent of, Right off the bat, you know you're getting something special because this show was just that. Yeah, you could even draw a thread through, you know, the 2016 and, you know, the kind of the modern era where they come out for the encore and, and, and sit down and kind of do a more casual thing. Like, that all that all goes back to this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and even, even more so, I think a lot of what we talked about in the night one episode was just... The way that the constant set list flow happened, it very much had a feel of the early 90s where they're just going to hit you with the hardest and fastest songs. They're going to scream. They're going to get in your face for the first 13. And then after that, it's going to drop off and they're going to get gassed a little bit. And this when you look at even outside of just the first six, when you look at the set list of a whole there's more patches of songs that you can say these are packaged together and now we have to build it back up. And I don't think that this is the first time that they ever did something like that. But considering that this show has the weight that it does, is this one of the first ones that you can say this is the start for them changing set lists going forward? Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because, yeah, we did... Soldier Field too, and that's one too where you sure. they would really 
start to get to that. So yeah, I think you might be onto something. I think they 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 had a lot more. You know, you had a lot of the Vitology songs, which are different kinds of tempos and different kinds of, you know, you had stuff like Tremor Christ, which is kind of a different kind of a thing. It's a thing where they they kind of realize too, like they're getting older, like they're getting to be in their late twenties and thirties and maybe we can go about doing this, go doing this a little differently. And, you know, and maybe, you know, touring with Mike Watt and touring with Neil Young and all the stuff that they did this year maybe had an effect on them and like, and how Ed does these set lists and how, you know, we, we, when we do those 2010 shows, we talk about the wave crests and then it breaks and then you build it back up and you, you get these moments scattered throughout the show perfectly and yeah, this is this is a very early version of that it does feel more like a modern show than a show from 1995. But all these 1995 shows just have a different edge to them. There's just a different feel. Whether it's it's Jack, it's it's Ed, just the place they were in as a band. They all of this this tour just has a a unique kind of edge to it that makes it really special. Yeah, and I think maybe, perhaps, it kind of all comes together by accident because they realize at night one that they went too too, too quick to too, too soon. And, you know, to get to songs like Black and just be totally gassed and then just be totally gassed in the encore, I think that they realized that, especially the altitude that they were in, was a huge determining factor on them having to pace themselves, especially for this show. Cause the first thing that Ed would come out and say is, uh, we're going to be here a while. So get comfortable. So that's sort of your key to, to, to tell you that this is going to be a pretty long show. And, and for, for 1995 standards, 26 songs compared to the 21 that they, they did the night before. That's, that's pretty hefty. I know there are a couple in 94 were very long, but this would probably be up there until you get to the next year with, or later on with soldier field and then Randall's Island the next year you got some really long stuff but yeah this is this is extended and it's what a 23 20 22 and a half 21 and two halves if you're going to count some of the things main set but yeah it goes on for a long time yeah i i i haven't gone back and looked at the numbers but i'd be very interested to see main sets up until that point that had the tw- 22 songs in them because that yeah. feels that feels like a heavy number and and i would say that main sets that had encores attached to them that weren't just the whole entire set i think uh that kind of sets the table nicely and we can get into the show and let the show begin here the band is taking the stage and there are carpets on the stage there are chairs Ooh, this is a little bit different, huh? This is this isn't exactly Pearl Jam, but what is this? Is this Bridge School? They've done Bridge School a couple times at this point, but maybe that hasn't gotten to the head of the crowd. So what is the crowd thinking at this point? It could be anything, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. Did you see how Eddie was dressed in this? He was mm-hmm. kind of he was kind of dressed like Michael Stipe in, in some REM music video, you know, like losing my religion or something like that, uh, like a dress shirt tucked in with khakis. It was like formal Edwear. It wasn't necessarily just like a corduroy jacket or a flannel and jeans kind of deal. Yeah, he he was he was dressing up for the occasion. You know, this right. is a, this is not just, you know, some theater in the middle of nowhere this is red rocks you know it's got some history behind it so yeah he 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 understands that he knows exactly so like i mentioned before he says get comfortable we're gonna be here a while and this six song 
opening to a set and you wouldn't necessarily call it a preset because it's not like they left or anything like that. It wasn't like Mansfield, but they get right into it. And boy, right from the get go, there are a lot of unfamiliar things within these six songs. And this would be one of them. listening to this you're like long road how's that unfamiliar well gotta go back to casper wyoming a few days before that that was the debut of long road obviously recorded while they were recording the mirrorball stuff back in january i believe 1995 and uh this would come out way later on merkin ball uh i got shit was played the night before and we said on that show that was really the the first showcase of it to the American crowd uh, because they had played it in Australia and played it in Japan a little bit. So Long Road is another one that it's just, it, it, you have to consider it being a brand new original song at this point that how many people are going to know that they played it in Casper, Wyoming a few days before that. Probably pretty close to none. Uh, maybe there's like a 5% gauge there but i would say not a lot of people knew what happened in casper this is cool too because you know you mentioned the chairs and they come out and the, the the chairs are really close together it's almost like a practice or something and stone is just kind of leaning back like turned to the side like just chilling out like way back like i'm just gonna play my guitar stone doesn't want to sit down for too long yeah, he, he's the first one to stand up and, and get into it. So to have it be the second performance and to get something like this, something such like a unique performance of it is is really special. You know that they definitely held the song in, in high regard from the very beginning. They knew they had something. Yeah, if you listen to this, if you just take this singular song and if I just threw you a song and say, hey, listen to this version of Long Road, I don't think you'd be able to tell that they were sitting down because it had a really powerful surge to it. The song... Yeah felt big it felt big for the moment and, and no matter if the crowd was unfamiliar with it or not like they got a good reaction from it absolutely yeah you would think it would be kind of like more of an acoustic thing but it's it's not it's still like i said stone stands up and starts getting into it and it's, the surge is really good and it builds again everything in 1995 they were just able to do that every time out almost whether you want to call it jack's influence or or ed's but yeah just really special performance i mean it's one of the coolest things to come out and to get a song like this yeah if you were there you'd, you'd be like 
oh man, I don't know this, but it's amazing. And if this is if this is their new direction, I'm in. Yeah, and and look, there's a couple different schools of thought here. It's for Long Road. It's look at what this became, and if you're there, you're like, holy crap, this became Long Road, and this is one of their most popular openers that they have. Or for later down the line, when we get to falling down in a couple of songs, it could be wow. That's the one and only time that they've ever played it. And that's pretty incredible that they never went back to it after that point. Because how many times is that? Especially for Pearl Jam, you can say one other original song has only been played once. And that would be Hitchhiker in my estimation. We have to get to the following song after Long Road. Because, like I said, unfamiliar things are happening, but this at least is a little familiar. We talked about on the night one episode how they played Jeremy and little bits and pieces were broken apart in it. And they've kind of deconstructed Jeremy before in the past where the intro would sound a little bit different or they would go go right into the first verse, into the second verse. They wouldn't bridge it with a chorus and they just do different things and they just play around with it a little bit. Well, this is just playing around with it completely differently because it's not Jeremy at all. Technically, it's no Jeremy. experimental jam before Ed kind of gets into the lyrics and once he does that's your moment where the crowd is like oh okay we know what's going on before that they're just like what are they doing are they just doing weird stuff all night what's going on here it feels like a lot of people are trying to sing along and match Ed's cadence with it but they couldn't even match that like they had to just kind of take it in a little bit and either sing the song out of key or pay attention to what they're doing and just be really either weirded out or just completely entranced yeah it's that weird sense of like you hear the cheer of of recognition from the crowd when he starts singing like you mentioned and they're like 
okay, yeah, I, I know this, but the lyrics, like, don't really fit the music. Like, I know it's, they're playing the same chords and everything, but the music is really cool. It gets into a really cool kind of hypnotic, kind of minimalist, almost like kind of a crap rock kind of groove to it where you're, it's just kind of like grooving along. Then the lyrics come in on top of it and it's just weird. And I think he does that and just starts talking, just speaking them to try to kind of get back into it or, or something. But it's awkward lyrically. Musically, I think it's fantastic. Um, again, Stone can't sit down. No, he's uh, dancing around all yeah, the Yeah, Jack at the end is just fantastic and you know this and falling down of course immortalized on the uh christmas single 10 inch from was that 2010 i think uh yeah sounds about right. so 15 years later they'd finally kind of acknowledge it and give it a an official you know place in the canon but they did it what two or three times and that was it and i think like even five i think it was five or six really okay yeah, yeah. i think it got to that much yeah because I remember the only time we've ever covered this on the show was, was Milwaukee, same year. And it even felt, listening to this, the first one, it felt like they were trying to stay, at least stay true to the song Jeremy as much as they could. Like, at least continue the chorus to be the same way. I don't think, and, and I didn't go back and listen to it, and I should have, but I don't think the Milwaukee version, I thought that that was completely Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I thought that that one was intentionally meant to not sound like Jeremy at all. Yeah, I don't think Stone and Mike are doing as much in that one as they are on this one. I think it's just a very basic kind of that upstroke rhythm that, from what I remember. But yeah, this this one too. At, at the end, it it almost gets too too recognizable, Jeremy. That you know, like they almost break right. out into it. It's not exactly a full figuring of it but is you would call it like a deconstruction is, is a good word but yeah it's just it's so interesting like in their history that they would take their biggest song and tear it down and rebuild it piece by piece into this other type of thing and just play it like that like you know like oh fuck it we'll just play it and if it works it works if it doesn't we'll go back that's pure 1995 like they were taking risks they were experimenting like all these improvs every show and and to, to play it like the second one like you think like okay we'll we'll save that for like an encore when we've already gotten people warmed up and people know and like we're already kind of got the crowd behind us but no we're just gonna play it second and people will figure it out they're either they're either gonna follow along or they won't yeah and what's interesting here is that at one point you can kind of see the look on ed's face and he's just kind of looking out into the crowd. And I think he's looking for some sort of response. He's either saying, do they get it? Do they not get it? And I'm not sure if he's satisfied or not. I'm not sure what he's yeah. thinking at that moment. I would, I yeah, I would I would probably think he wasn't. Yeah. Right. Because like you... He wasn't satisfied with a lot of things at that time. Yeah. And to get, especially getting the, hearing the big cheer once the lyrics start, he's like, oh, well, that's just what they want. Yeah, right. they don't. They don't. They don't care about how we play it. They just want to sing the lyrics that they it's heard not, on MTV. It's not art to them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, look, I think looking back on it, twenty six years later, we can kind of say that this is something that's really part of this time period, an important part of this time period. Like you said, 
they took a song that was massively popular and they completely rewrote the rule book on it. And almost every song you could say is almost up for for that challenge because they've done it with Porch, they've done it with Corduroy, they've done it with Better Man, they've done it with a whole mess of a lot of songs that are popular, that are known for being played a certain way, and they've always decided to take a chance. And uh, that's one of the really cool and unique things about them is that they're never satisfied with something. And even if it might sound like shit, they're just going to go for it. So I, I have full amount of respect for that. Full amount. So Absolutely. All right. Obviously, he says we're making the stuff as we go along. We got all fucking night. It's going to be like the Grateful Dead or something. And uh, that's that's a interesting little foretelling, knowing that Soldier Field is only a that's couple right. weeks away. That's right says we're going to borrow a song from a guy named Nick Cave. He's in London, probably sleeping, so we'll never know. And uh, they play a song called Ship Song, and this is an OTOTO song as well, uh, as <laughs> I should say, as well as, as the next song that we're going to do in just a little bit. But Nick Cave is very interesting. He's kind of one of these singers, like, I put him in the same boat as, as Tom Waits a little bit, who, you know, maybe doesn't get the recognition for how good of a songwriter he could be. And I, but a lot of people that you ask that are like skilled, known musicians and skilled, known lyricists would put both of them in the category of somebody like a Leonard Cohen. He could come off as an afterthought because maybe his style isn't as palatable for all audiences. But I think you're more familiar with Nick Cave than I am, so I'll let you speak on it a little more than me. Yeah, you know, I'm and I. I've never done like I'm a fan like I remember you know he he kind of had a minor hit in the mid 90s with he did an album called Murder Ballads they they covered Stagger Lee which is kind of a famous uh murder ballad it, it got some play a little bit and you would hear it on like 120 minutes and stuff like that and his his voice is just so like it just grabs you like he's got such a powerful voice and it's just a very unique sound that he has a lot like very similar to Tom Waits that's actually a really good comparison but yeah he he goes back to the early 80s he was in a band called the birthday party in Australia which is one of the earliest kind of alternative weird punk rock bands like not punk rock that you think of like southern california punk rock but like butthole surfers weird you know fucked up punk rock and yeah, went on to has this whole kind of career as like uh, he's gone on to be this kind of crooner using this amazing voice that he has. Uh, yeah, he just put out an album a couple of years ago that's one of the best he's ever done. He's kind of a songwriter, songwriter. Like it's another one of those things where like you might not be familiar with him, but the people that you like are. And he's he's very influential. And yeah, this ship song is one of my favorites of his it might be my favorite song like i love the melody i love the the way he sings it and i i really wish that that pearl jam had been able to get through the whole thing because they kind of like they get through kind of the the first verse and the chorus and it kind of falls apart and ed says oh you know it sounded better backstage so you know they just kind of like worked it up real quick and tried to get through it And burn your bridges down Worst you, baby Every time you come around Come lose your dogs of all 
let your hair hang down You're a mystery to me Every time we come around We talk about it all night long You did our finding these little gems that not a lot of like mainstream major label you know biggest band in the world bands would think to cover it's another example of him digging something up and and trying to give it a platform and give it a bigger audience and it's fantastic yeah i mean there have been countless songwriters bands that you can say that over the last 30 years that Ed has brought to the forefront, brought to people's attention, whether or not a band like Fugazi wanted it, he made sure the world knew about Fugazi, right. whether or not somebody like a, a Nick Cave or the Laws uh, that would come up later in, in 2000 or even that dog, like that would be another example of that, just putting more attention on somebody that is kind of on the lower end of the spectrum that maybe deserves it a little bit more. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting tactic and uh, you know, gotta, gotta appreciate his, his appreciation for all things music. It, so it reminds me of, of that quote in hype that he says, it's like people already know about our band, go find other bands. Sure. Like, yeah. That that's, that's always been his mentality. Mm-hmm. Yep as he he mentions that it sounded good backstage and you got to make sure not to tell nick what we did we get a b-side after this which is footsteps and and look it kind of feels like ed says let's try this which makes me think that they're just making this up as they go along which is even more amazing and kind of goes into more the allure of what this performance piece is and Footsteps is still considered a pretty rare track, especially live at the time. It's only been played 28 times to this point. And when you think of the sit-down performances, and when you think of all the shows where they've done something like this, Footsteps is probably the one consistent song that comes up almost every single time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, ever since that Rockline performance. And, you know, and again, it's, it's interesting because they've there's there's not a studio version of this song right like we mentioned every done like that the version you get on the on the b-sides and on lost dogs is that version that they recorded live on Rockline. which you could have fooled everybody yeah but oh my god this is so good with jack and the the feel of it and there's you know where we're pre-harmonica at this point so you, it's got a little different edge to it, it it's not that kind of campfire feel that Footsteps has now, and just a fantastic performance. I mean, it's one of the best Footsteps I've heard in a long time. Yeah, I, again, I think it's important for the song's history and the song's evolution because a lot of the performances from Footsteps that are notable come from virtual shows that come from Mansfield. The song as we talked about in the Evolution episode, is, is ever-changing. And I think this is 
it's definitely part of that change that they were able to kind of utilize this song as one of the sit-down versions instead of, you know, having to find a spot for it because they always had a difficult time trying to fit it in when it wasn't in a Mamasan or, or a reverse Mamasan or something like that. It wasn't an encore in the early 90s sometimes, but it was tougher to fit in. When you did special stuff like this, it was easier to make footsteps stand out, and that's what they did here perfectly. So, all right. I think this is probably the biggest talking point of the episode, and it has to be one of the, if not the ultimately most rare Pearl Jam song in their entire catalog, because like I mentioned before, this is it. This is the only version that you have ever heard of Falling Down, and yes, maybe the Rockfords did a version called Distress. And it has the same melody, it's, it's the same song, but it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, putting footsteps next to Times of Trouble. It's the same deal as that. So, falling down in no other way, shape, or form has ever been played. So, just enjoy a couple minutes of this. We're going to give this to you, right here.
let's not take for granted how important this is. Uh, obviously, it's the only version, and the big question here is why. They demoed this, made some attempts to record it during no code, and apparently it didn't work. So and During yield as well, it was brought back for yield too. Yeah, so let's start there. Why do you think that this was just a one and done and never even touched upon again? Two words. Ed Vedder. That I don't he think didn't he, like the song? I don't no, I just I don't think he was happy with it. You see in this like there are a couple of times when he kind of fumbles over the lyrics, like he's doing that kind of mumbling thing that he does. And I just don't think he ever nailed it down to his satisfaction. You know, he wants it to be perfect, and he, he he's one where they, the rest of the band can be like, hey, that was great. And he'd be like, eh, I think it was quite there. You know, you, you think of something like Of the Earth, you know, same thing, like, for the love of God, why have we not gotten Of the Earth on a, on a record? It's because of it. And this, I think, fell victim to the same thing, where he just never felt confident enough in his performance or didn't feel good that he had quite nailed down the lyrics or the meaning or the theme that i mean this again this is just me kind of putting it out there i don't know for sure but my guess would be that he never thought that he nailed down a perfect version of it here's another thing that's interesting about this they don't have a song anything like this at the time this is completely different than anything else that they've done it sounds a little bit like river and sea the way that River and Seed hmm. is kind of composed. Okay. Because it's, it's a mic song. They're both mic songs, so... Yeah. It sounds to me like it's almost got, like, the best parts of Long Road and the best parts of I Got Shit together. It hmm. sounds a lot like some kind of conglomeration of those, like, because it gets quiet, just like Long Road, but it's got the soaring part, just like I Got Shit. It sounds a lot like it could have been, like, if you put this on the Merkin Ball, if you put if you're gonna throw an extra song on Merkin Ball, this would have fit perfectly in between those two. Yeah, I can see that. I haven't thought about that before. That's an interesting point. I'm more thinking like this is kind of the introduction into what the no code era would be like. Songs from no code would have mm -hmm. more of this progression. You know, you'd get songs like present tense that would, you know, kind of start off softer and then kind of build into something. You know, sometimes you could say the same thing with as well. And it's just interesting that this was done at this time and especially that they wouldn't even go back to it, that they would continue to use this template. Because when I think of songs that sort of follow in this footsteps, I, I kind of think that fatal sort of kind of has the same vibe to it to say that it's kind of the precursor for no code but then not be on the record at all it's surprising but then again it's almost not surprising at all because it's the way that they're experimenting and saying well this style can work but maybe not this specific song is going to be for us yeah and a lot of times it's because, you know, they had that break in between the Australian tour and this this U.S. leg. And they were probably doing a lot of writing in that time, you know, getting in with Jack and working on stuff. And a lot of times it's it's the early ones that fall victim when it comes down to, to nailing down, you know, what's going to be on the album. It's the early ones that you're kind of like, eh, I'm not don't know if I like that one anymore. Let's go with this newer one. That's just that's just the way bands are. And that's the way songwriters are. And, you know, I always go back to the, you know, if you're 
you, you mentioned Patreon earlier. We have the uh, the other night of this up there. If you're on Patreon, if you're thinking about it, we we did a whole thing on the like what what would a lost 1995 Pearl Jam album be like, and this had a very prominent position in that. So if you want to hear it, hear us talk about that. That's another reason to to go drop one dollar and go listen to that and check it out because it's it's really good and uh it's the beginning of no code it's it's kind of a a step up in the songwriting you know with jack and and everything but i always think of this with long road and i got shit it always kind of falls into that like stuck in this 1995 kind of era and how has this not leaked like one of these versions from from Yield or No Code, like the amount of money that I would pay to hear that is is ridiculous. Yeah, this seems pretty locked up and pretty yeah. secure, it seems. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. One and only time, they never go back to it for shits and giggles Ooh. kind of thing because they, they have done that before. Yeah, There's not a lot of songs that you can really say that – are completely out of the question is this one of them yeah if they were going to do it they would have done it after 2010 when the when the christmas single came out Mm. they they would have done it on that tour in 2011 and like worked it out but once once the rockfords did it that that was the end like that was mike saying okay this one's done this this melody's too good i'm gonna i'm gonna use it for something else and yeah but we we've gotten two ototos in the first five songs so how amazing is that yeah plus another thing that was only only done a few times so we are uh yeah we are in for it on this one we sure are and we got one more left to go in the top six and that's better man which is still in its infancy it's one of the lesser played songs off the vitalogy record and at this point it'd become a radio hit and you know maybe to them it felt necessary to start playing it a little bit more but maybe there was a little bit discomfort playing it because you know they knew they got the sense that once you pluck the first chord everybody's gonna react to it and sing along and this is still a very personal song to ed the night one episode that we did this was the penultimate song in the show i believe and it just didn't have a a bite to it but i thought this version had way more excitement uh i thought that jack was really this was a good transition into what you would get in you know when they start standing up during the next song this would kind of feel a little bit more powerful a little bit more energetic and have a little bit more life to it than than the other version you know uh, uh, jack is just shaking and moving his body like a superhuman it's a really good way to cap off this little section that they have and then say all right now it's time to go now it's time to really get into this stuff right it kind of serves the purpose of like like a given to fly or something you think of in an yeah. encore like when you're getting out of that sit down section in the encore and you're transitioning to more of like okay we're gonna get back into the rockers now like yeah it's it's it serves that purpose very well it's it's not something where you you know we get we get indifference later on here last but if you did something like that here then you're just kind of keeping everybody down you're you need something that's going to build up to that electric you know the punk rock section you know get starting in with with the next one when everybody's electric and standing up and and going nuts but yeah this is uh it's an interesting spot for for better man having to follow everything that came before but yeah like i said it you get a little bit of crowd stuff where like he's starting to notice like okay like this is going to be something and it gets kind of a featured spot here at the end of this little sit down section it's it's really cool 
Yep. And, you know, within these six songs, it's obviously the most known. And with, you know, really three of these six people probably being completely unfamiliar with, it's good to get something that the crowd is going to be like, okay, let's get up for this. And then we can get into the last exits and split the black circles and animals of the world. That's going to work for you. I think that was well done. Uh, we talked about Setless Flow before. That's part of that. And uh, yeah, I think that this set from just the standpoint of construction is, is very well done where we see right from better man okay let's get into it i just said it. last exit spin a black circle animal last exit from night one was incredible it had shattering shattering vocals on it but they couldn't keep up that pace the entire night it doesn't feel like he's holding off but he's waiting for that moment where he can belt out and get that big scream in he's not screaming and and using all this vigor for the whole entire song but he's waiting for that moment and i thought that that was very interesting like you know these songs are just as intense as the night before but they have a little bit more control to them which is very it's interesting in my eyes because that shows that they're more prepared to play a full set yeah i think the altitude definitely had something to do with that as well don't get me wrong last exit is still very good like i just love hearing jack on these it's just so different and so unique like you can tell instantly the way that he does the fills in the song the way that he approaches the rhythm of these songs it's just so different than what what dave a and and dave k were doing that it just that these vitalogy songs they they take on like a, a new life with him and I, I can only picture them like running through these and being like, okay, yep, yep. I absolutely love, there's almost not a damn thing wrong with this entire show. Like every song I could just be like, it was one of the best. Every song, like, uh, you know, sometimes mention like, oh, this song jumped out or this song, every song on this jumps out as, as being fantastic. It's, and it's, they're just on such a high, like you, you think of the combination of the venue combination of of the excitement of knowing you're going to play some stuff that you've never done before you're going to play some new songs the knowing that it's going to be this intimate crowd and like everything just comes together all these intangibles to make a really special show and the beginning of this getting you know the first two from vitalogy last exit spin the black circle oh it just it's perfect that's all i can say yeah, I, I think we need to mention for Spin the Black Circle, I think we need to mention that we don't get any crooked arm part, which is kind of crazy. Stone just kind of keeps riffing on the yeah, bridge yeah. and kind of overdoes it. And I wonder if it's just them kind of being in the moment and sort of feeling it and kind of vibing off what Stone's doing, kind of vibing off what Jack's doing. And they just run right back into the chorus, which I don't think I've ever heard them done that before. Yeah. So that was yeah. very, very cool. Uh, the ending to Spin the Black Circle is nuts with Ed holding the mic stand up above his head. Like, very intense version, but Ed is crouching over the mic. It looks like it points. He does this a couple times during the show, but especially during Spin, where he looks like he's vomiting into the mic. And it's that intense. But, uh, like, Animal, too. I, I can't I can't not mention Animal in the show. It's great. Mentioning it's great. How fantastic the solo was. Right. And, yeah. You know? Again... It's not completely vigorous with his his vocal shredding, but it's, again, understanding the environment and, you know, 
building to the moment where he is able to get that one big belt out, and it, it's pretty perfect. It's it's fantastic. I, I know, like, I, I love their epitome. You know, it, they're two completely different shows, which is amazing for 1995, and and uh, I, I think it just shows a major sign of maturity. Yeah, they show you know a lot of times the the cameras focus on it, but you'll you'll see Mike and he's just going nuts, and Jeff is going all over the place and Stone is doing his thing over there that, that we've come to know and love and they're firing on all cylinders. They are a force to be reckoned with on stage coming off of everything they've been doing the last five years. This is just perfect. It's Like I said, it's the culmination of, of everything from this year and the past year and, and Jack and everything coming together and every song is fantastic. I'm, I apologize that I'm going to sound like a broken record, but we're going to get to some here in the next few that are just as good as everything that we've talked about so far. Yeah, I, I think my next point that I'm going to bring up is just going from Animal and a Tremor Christ and being able to break up sort of the sections here and Tremor Christ kind of be used yeah. as sort of a different transition, which again wasn't done the night before. It's Tremor Christ into the Corduroy Not For You combination that we did get the night before. So yeah, there are definitely some things that are the same in the set, but there it's it's differentiated enough where you feel like if you've gone to both shows, you can come out of it saying, whoa, did we get every song from all three albums? It kind of had that feel to it, but Tremor Christ versions with Jack are always going to be fantastic. How he's hovering over the toms and he's just, I mean, tribal sounding, and keeping the same momentum, waiting for the burst, like fantastic stuff. And Ed makes a quip during that. Winded was the sailor, the singer. And I think that's kind of a, a another nod to the altitude there. Definitely. But Corduroy is a little bit different from this version in the night before. The night before had a longer intro. Uh, Ed's guitar tone sounded a little bit different in the intro to Corduroy. I don't know if you noticed yeah. that, but oh, it kind of sounded a little... A little tingy or something like that. He had like a fuzz box or something. It's almost like, it's like a Mud Honey song or something. You know, they're a famous for using that like super distorted, like fuzzed out guitar. And yeah, he's, he was definitely doing that in the intro. Yeah, it's, again, it, it's just this year, these shows, everything just is on edge a little bit. You can chalk it up to the, the Ticketmaster stuff, everything they were going through, but combined with all that like oh this corduroy is one of the best a real subtle lyric change in there everything will change instead of everything has chains it just does such a good job of controlling the circus here and oh stone at the end the little melodic piece by stone is just beautiful absolutely i don't think i've ever heard anything yeah yeah and then mike takes in comes in and takes over Right, and you get that fantastic solo from Mike. Oh my God! You get that kind of iconic 1995 shot of Ed, where he's just looking up, playing guitar, like he's just in the moment completely. Again, great versions of Corduroy out there, but this one is is up there. It's it's really special.
not for you following up with Corduroy too is is again like loose yet still has that real power behind it and you get kind of that rise that you go back into the final chorus where it in that little verse before that they just kind of lay off of it and then build right back into a really big ending and then the quiet kind of outro on it oh man yeah. They're in a groove. They're in a real groove at this point. I literally, I literally wrote that "Not for You" made me speechless. Like I'm just watching this. Like, just all you can do is just go, "Wow!" Like that's where they were as a band at this point. One of the best. Yeah. One of the best eras that this band has, especially this early on in the '90s. I don't think it's even close. To be honest with you, I think yeah, this this might be my favorite best. year of shows. Yeah, Abu Abu likes to go back and listen to like I'm just speechless because it's so good. Like I was watching it and just I was just blown away. Especially you know this this back to back punch of Corduroy and off you and it was good on the the night before that we talked about for the patrons, but this one was on another level. Neck just unbelievable performances, some of the best. I still why don't you Don't you This is not for get out of some vitality songs and uh we mess around with some verses and some single songs and then we'll get it into a little bit of 10 that really we hadn't gotten into because you can't really say that that version of jeremy was really the 10 version so we haven't really gotten to 10 songs yet so go stay to love and trust is how they follow up on the section uh above and go is what kicked off night one and it's kind of almost the kickoff to the middle of the section here again 
the set's been broken down into pieces and it flows so much better than the night before. They're they're finding the ebbs, they're finding the flows, and uh, every everything seems to work. And even Ed, it looks like he's during go, he's having like a conniption on stage or something. Like great stage yeah. performance. It's yeah. just really entertaining to watch. Uh, State of Love and Trust was supposed to be played the the first night. It was held off even though it was on the set. Uh, but they kind of play around with the intro a little bit on it. It's not one of those songs that that usually they play around with it all, but like it, it sort of after the beginning chords, he starts singing the lyrics to it instead of kind of letting that chorus kind of that verse kind of breathe. But one of the things we mentioned, I think probably the last time we did a 1995 version of State of Love and Trust, is that Jack's spin on it is so different because he does that. I think you called it the no effects beat. And he goes back to this. Yeah, the, the cut time. Yeah. Right. I, I, you know, I don't think Jack is ever going to be my pick for State of Love and Trust, but it is interesting to see the way that they went about it. Right. This is a weird one. I'm almost, like, surprised that they, they were playing it around this time. Because you, you, you think of Breath, and, like, you know, Breath wasn't played at all in 1995, not until right. it didn't come back until 98. And it's almost strange that they chose this one to come back and, and keep up with, because they played it fairly regularly around Enough, this time. Yeah. It, it stayed around, and it's weird that, that Jack was doing something so different, and they just were like, okay, keep going, man, do your thing. Right. And not like... And eh, maybe that's not working. Maybe you need to consider that. Like this, just like, okay, yeah, cool, man, do it. Right. And it's it's almost one that, like, the, by this time, you know, you know, you mentioned we we got Jeremy, but it's not really Jeremy. So we hadn't gotten a. There hasn't really been a song off of Ten Ten, and they were kind of falling out with those songs. Like a lot of them had dropped off. We're gonna talk about one again all these teases we're going to talk about one in a minute that was one of the final ones until of the final one of the decade basically it kind of strange but I, it's it's unique in that you know it's got jack on it but state of love and trust is is a little weird for this time like it's it's cool it's interesting unique it's not bad it's just like it's kind of oh they did, did, did that one okay that's kind of weird yeah i think there are a couple songs that are like that once from Jack era is kind of weird to me. It's always been a little bit weird to me, but they yeah. never really let go of once. And then, you know, uh, even even a song like Why Go, which they played very, very early on in 1995 and then dropped, I think that that one, you can, you can tell they were like, all right, I, I think this isn't really a Jack song. This isn't really an Us song anymore. And I think they saw it with other ones as well. Uh, I think we're, we're going to talk about one in, in just a little bit, but... We got to talk about Daughter before that. So Daughter, you know, we're seeing the differences between the two back-to-back shows here and the momentum swings. And Daughter, in this spot, unlike the night before, can feel like it's more of a highlight, can get more of a moment. You even get a callback to the original here. How about that? Don't call me brother. probably the New Year's Eve bootleg. Uh, I, I think it was still brother at that point. But 
not a lot of people knew about that. So that's a very, very subtle reference to throw in there. And uh, the tag in there is this boy by that dog. And this boy is referring to actually Ed. You want to talk about the story about that? Yeah, so that dog was kind of uh, kind of an alternative, kind of fuzz pop, Weezer-ish kind of band. They were in that kind of L.A. scene. It's the Hayden sisters, Petra and Rachel Hayden, I think. Fantastic, talented musicians in their own right, absolutely. And I think Anna Waronker, who uh, is fantastic as well. She, her brother, Joey, is a famous drummer. I think he's he's done a bunch of session stuff. For, for He's been in a ton of different bands, but... Yeah, this song was on their album, and it's written, like I said, written about Ed, and then the hook is like, what's all the fuss about this boy? So he takes that and goes, oh, you you wrote this song about me, saying, like, you know, what's the big deal? Why is everybody making such a big deal about me? Like, I agree, sure so I'm going to sing yeah. this song. Exactly. And, yeah, this is, this, this is the first time they, they ever do it. Yep, and I think more people would recognize it from the Soldier Field show where they tagged it as well. They've only tagged it three times, so uh, it's really stuck in the 1995 era, kind of like some of those other ones we talked about. Nothing wrong with that. No, I I, I think it's great (laughs) to go back and just kind of look at the errors, and if we had to do some kind of tag evolution or something like that and say, well, you know, this is when they started messing around with this kind of music, we can get an insight as to what they were listening to at the time and what was influencing them and maybe make a a deeper connection through what kind of music they were writing at the time. And it it fits in perfectly with him, you know, trying to get out of the spotlight and, and trying to be a little bit more faceless. Like, again, the song doesn't reference him by name. We only know that because, you know, the members of that dog have, have said that it's about him. And it's it's a weird if you go listen to the that dog version, it's a weird song. Like it's kind of gets into this chaotic part where it's just like just noise and then it goes back to that it's a it's a strange song. It's not a pop song for sure and he just picked this out and was like, yeah, this I I feel this 100%. So <laughs> Yeah, this is this is really cool. Again, fantastic. And a little bit of improving at the end, something about a tired, grumpy old man. I'm not sure what that's a reference to, but uh, look, if it's on yeah. Ed's mind, it must yeah. mean something. So. I, I looked it up as much as I could, tried to find out what it was. I couldn't find anything, so yeah, I think it's just an improv. Yeah, it's probably absolutely nothing. <laughs> like mom, Mama said, old man, my friend. Yeah, yeah. no idea. No yeah. idea. So, all right. Well, we're about to get into the 10 stuff here. So he asked everybody if they were there last night and everybody says, yeah. And he says, everyone was there last night. Well, I feel like a rerun then. And they play a song that they didn't play the night before, which is Garden. And I was starting to go through my head, go through the two shows and pick out the 10 songs that they didn't play at all. Once, Why Go, Oceans, Release, and Deep. Yeah. So I think I think that was either five or six. A little surprising they didn't do release one of these nights. That's interesting. Right. Yeah. That, I, I think the first night they probably just wanted to go out balls to the wall yeah. right, right away. Yeah. And you're not going to play release after after the opening song in most cases around this time. So, uh, But Garden is the one that gets the call, which is very interesting. Really, after this, Garden would become lost in yeah. a live rotation. This was the last Jack. time and then last time it got played in the 90s. 
Right, and Jack never really had much of an impact on it when he was with the band. I, I thought that it was kind of stuck back in 1992. It sounds better in 1992, and, and Mike's solo, where in that era, it gets overpowering, and he can sometimes maybe do some finger tapping, or it can get screechy and really kind of, you know, pop you out of your seat. This is just very soulful and bluesy. He keeps it moody in this. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that they kind of knew that this one wouldn't really last too much longer at this time. I think, yeah. I think you can kind of yeah. see it. And, and with Jack, they had only played it four times. Once at the Moor, and that was one of the Piss Bottle Men shows, and then in Australia and New Zealand, and then here. So that's it. You'd have to go back to 2000 in Dublin where they would they would play it for the first time with Matt Cameron. And that when it finally came back. And yeah, it's it's on the more like, like you mentioned, the, the bluesy feel to it. It's almost, it's more of like their Zeppelin side, like their 70s, mm. you know, heavy blues rock side. And they were not in that mode in 1995, 1996, 1998. So not surprising that that this did not stick around no but definitely set for there but definitely interesting that you know out of the out of the four versions we have gotten half of them so once we get to those other shows that i'm sure they're they're tougher to get boots for those that australia and new zealand show we don't know when we'll get to those but uh this might be the last time we covered garden with jack in a long time so yeah uh, in between songs, Ed is kind of pondering his next move before getting into a live, and he decides to do a little acapella of uh, a Beatles song called I've Just Seen a Face. I've just seen a face, who can forget the time, one place where we just met, she's just a girl from me, I want the world to see we have met, da 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 had it been another day, I might have looked the other way, and I'd have never been aware, but as it is, I'll dream of It's a cute couple second thing, and, you know, it's sort of a breather. The band has kind of been screaming their lungs out a little bit the last two nights. It's really the most unexpected thing that they could do. However, they've done so many unexpected things at this show that, okay, this makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It does. And the, the third OTOTO of mm. the night, they, they'd never go back to this. But yeah, it's almost like I, I couldn't tell a, like some, like a guitar change or someone was tuning and Ed's just walking around and this just comes to him. Like maybe he heard it on the radio or something or heard something just goes off. It's just acapella. But yeah, like again, just throwing in like one of those, and this is an early Beatles one, I think too, like more of their help. I think this was yeah, on either yeah. help or uh, or Hard Day's Night, one of those. Mm-hmm. The more of like the mop top era Beatles ones, and yeah, just it's it's just cool to see him just kind of like off the cuff, like in between these two heavy songs, just throw in this like little light '60s Beatles number. It was just probably in his head. It's it's not uncommon, and, and it makes for a cool little moment and definitely something that the crowd appreciated. But that gets us into a live, and 
you know, the night before, I have to reference the night before again on this one, Ed takes a little bit of issue with the song saying sometimes it's a little bit weird to sing this. However, it seems like in this version, he's a little bit more into it or is at least faking it for the camera. Once again, the crowd is loving this hands in the air singing along and ed even kind of embellishes the line is there something wrong she said of course there is you fucking jerk like uh you know it feels more of a powerful presence than the last one might have been seemed like a little bit more of a downer that ed wouldn't have ed wasn't into it as much you you can kind of sense that maybe there is a little bit disinterest but you know look mike is kind of doing something pretty uncharted territory at the time kind of goes off to the side of the stage and you know that's something very common that we get now but he goes all the way to his side of the stage and starts playing towards there and uh i thought that that was pretty cool and that's for foretelling in a lot of ways but uh you know again it's interesting that the night before completely different take and then i kind of see it as like okay put on a little bit of a show for the cameras a little bit on this one and and just kind of sh- suck it up and do it yeah, and I wonder if they talked about it. And I would like, you know, if, if Stone, like, or Jeff, like, the next day was like, hey, man, like, what's up? Like, what, what, why'd you say that? Like, we, we got to play that song. Like, that, that's, people love that song. It's important. We, we got to keep playing. I wonder, I wonder if there was any sort of, like, motion, if it was mentioned at all. And again, that, again, that's just me hypothesizing but it's odd that they would play it the next night after him saying something like that so i wonder if if there was some sort of compromise made around the song because it could have easily disappeared after that yeah and i think because of that reason because it's such a a prominent song and it's one that that pretty much put him on the map and you know if you relate any five songs to pearl jam this would be one of the top two that you would instantly say although they're they're trying to get away from it there's they still have this sense of that they have to kind of cater to the hits a little bit they're not like you know 10 years later they could do whatever the fuck they wanted and get away with it i don't think they could get away with it at this point you know like even like a couple days later like you mentioned the, the san francisco show like Neil Young coming out to play with them, the crowd almost riot. The crowd almost riot. Yeah, yeah. Imagine not getting because Even Flow wasn't played this night. Imagine not getting a live and Even Flow at a show in 1995 and not getting an actual version of Jeremy either. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah, that's like, just that's, not that's not where they were at. No, no. But again, like it kind of makes the Vitalogy stuff and makes the stuff that they are more into more interesting here and you know a lot look we could talk about a a live for Dave's and and we'll have better versions of it and more interesting versions of it but it is interesting to bring up where they were with the song at the time so yeah and it's it's weird to hear it just in the middle of this set like well I was I was actually going to make mention of this because I was wondering at the end of this you know the lights went dark for a second I thought okay maybe they thought about leaving stage for a sec. Hmm. It kind of had that feel to it because it kind of sounded like there was a little bit more of a pause. And actually, if you look on the original set list, after Daughter, the set list is completely crossed out and replaced. Yeah. So 
I think Ed just addresses his guitar during this while there's a little bit of a pause and says the fucking piece of shit works. And this is a song about getting your ass kicked. I know from personal experience. So a lot of these songs that they're playing at the end here, they kind of mapped out, which is very cool kind of mapping out on the fly and figuring out what you have to do. And maybe that this moment was a little bit of that. Maybe it was a little bit of figuring a guitar and maybe it was kind of directing the set list being like, all right, let's switch that. Let's switch that around. Maybe it was that. So that's where we get very good versions of both Whipping and Luke and very intense back-to-back pop punk rock songs. Whipping just has a lot of charge and intensity, and uh, it's been, at this point, a hand- handful of songs since you've heard of Vitalogy songs, so Vitalogy can feel fresh again. Another one of the, the great consistent things that he's done in the set list to just balance the songs, uh, but you can also tell which ones they're super pumped up to play, and... Uh, very interesting also when you get into lucan it has that same kind of guitar screech to it that whipping does yeah it does and you get some original lyrics in there too that hadn't quite morphed into the yeah to being about matt lucan yet there's still some other stuff in there something about this my home home away from home yep you mean it was getting there but we hadn't quite gotten the the full final lyrics yet but he mentioned the set list I'm, I'm looking at this it, it after daughter it's Lucan whipping small town Satan's bed and Satan's bed is blacked out then movie mirror then Satan's bed again so they thought about moving it later <laughs> then blood and then but everything Lucan whipping small town Satan's bed movie mirror Satan's bed is all crossed out to the side then it says garden alive whipping movie mirror small town so Lucan didn't even have well yeah it's got it's up there but it it, it was crossed out and then it wasn't put back in so that's or just that's just an off the fly decision that's just probably ed going like yep here we go fuck it play it yeah yeah interesting interesting very interesting and uh again that's preparing them for way later that's another thing that's preparing them for way later where they can know in the middle of the set hey this is going to work with this crowd and this is not going to work and knowing what kind of version of rear mirror that we're going to get after the kinds of versions of whipping and lucan that we're going to get to get elderly woman as the bridge into blood is such a it's almost perfect in how they made that decision the decision of it and just how they they were thoughtful enough to do that to make that balance that is one of the most interesting parts about that because they don't even do stuff like that anymore like how often have they played like you know third to the penultimate song really make it feel like it's a closer and then sort of take you down with a song like elderly that that's more acoustic and more uh softer more sing-along and then just kick your ass at the end again with a song like blood that doesn't that that kind of stuff doesn't happen so yeah Rearview Mirror, obviously, look, the the song kicks up and you can tell he's distracted. Ed is distracted during this. He's singing the wrong lyrics. And before they're really able to gain some momentum, Ed is addressing two people in the front fighting. Okay, stop for a sec. Hey, hey, stop for a sec. Come on, you guys. What the fuck are you having a fight for? You're in the middle of a rock and roll concert. Fucking peace and love, right? (laughs) 
Sorry everybody, way in the back, way in the front, there's a couple knuckleheads right up here that need to be uh, taken care of. Of course, remember where the banner starts right. One, two, three, four, they kick right back into the course, and it's just, oh. it's back to Jack. It's back yeah. to Jack on this. Yeah. Uh, it, the, the fills, the fills from Jack versions, just so much different from what the other guys do. And Ed Stone, Stone's playing a little bit off Ed's vocals, and then time to really take it down a little bit. And the night before was totally quiet and almost as if the song stops. But this one kind of stops a little bit, but then gets into this Who-inspired riff just as the bottom drops out, just as they get into the, the big, big, big moment. Uh, he lays off the big scream, shows a little bit more control on it. I, I don't know if it was a complete miss or what, but the ending does feel big regardless. It's very good. And it's almost a shame that knuckleheads had to get involved because it's this is this is up there i mean the, we talked about on the the night one about how you almost never get that now where rearview mirror gets super quiet and this one starts to go there but then yeah that that triumphant part comes in and it's it's just jack and jack and mike oh it's just it's wonderful it's fantastic one of the, one of the highlights yeah, uh, Rear View Mirror was not one of those that they kept off the set list for Jack. It was one of them that they made sure was on the set list every single night. That's the reason why. So like I mentioned, Elderly Woman is kind of the, the bridge between these two, which is very interesting. You know, having to pace yourself and having to, you know, Rear View Mirror into blood while, yes, awesome, and you get all of that angst and anger out all kind of at once. They're saying, no, you know what? Let's kind of soothe things out before doing that, and then blood will be ten times more impactful, which I I, I feel I felt was true out of this. Yeah, small town is interesting because you know nowadays we're we're used to to Stone starting on the guitar, and but this is Ed playing the electric guitar, starting it, and this is the one that that gets quiet. This is a very unique small town. I, we don't get a lot of them with this kind of feel to it. I thought it was it was really interesting. It, it wasn't like a folky version. It wasn't like a like a Springsteen version or kind of a rocking version. It was somewhere in the middle. It was very yeah, yeah. I thought it was. It had little hints of being an anthemic, but also the crowd was singing along to it. So it just it was just good rhythmic. It was just a good rhythmic balance, you know? It yeah. just had it had a good good vibe to it, a good feel to it. I, Another it one that just has that 95 edge to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Where, you know, you can tell they're playing something that they want to impact the crowd a different way, but however, it's something that still has 1995 identity to it. So he's addressing the crowd and kind of playing up that hey thank you everybody for being here and says from red rocks to morrison to denver to montana to new york to south dakota north dakota we love playing music and we had a great time the last two nights thanks a lot and then blood and this is exactly why we couldn't get it played the night before because i don't think ed at this point in the set the night before was going to be able to pull this off because boy did he was this a 1995 version of blood or what 
just timing out his big jumps before the last chorus and, and making it just a stage presence singing the enemies line enemies 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 over and over and over again and it looks like he's 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 gonna take the mic stand he wants to smash it he sees a balloon he's trying to smash it on the balloon and it comes back and hits him in the face so definitely some very cool things happening with blood i thought that this was definitely a good probably a highlight of the night yeah it's like borderline psychotic which is a good thing Especially for 1995, mm-hmm. which is psychotic in his own right. So, uh, a little bit later than usual, but we're at the encore here. So, let's pause for station identification. We only have four more songs left, but hey, what better time to do it than right now? And um, like we mentioned throughout this whole entire episode, on Patreon right now, patreon.com slash live on four legs, or the Patreon app, you search for live on four legs, and, and you see us. If you know what our logo looks like, you will see us. And... That's where you will get night one. If you've been listening to this the whole time, haven't listened to night one stuff, then, hey, you can go out of order. I didn't say you couldn't go out of order. I just said maybe, maybe you would like to listen to the first one first. And they were posted at the same exact time. So if you're listening to this right when we posted this early, early in the morning on Wednesday, then you can go right to Patreon and you'll be able to get the same thing. You'll be able to see it. You'll be able to see it right there, and uh, it'll be right there for the taking for you. So we had a lot of fun with that episode, as we have for this one. Let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, for those who haven't joined up before, have maybe are interested in joining up, let's talk a little bit about the tiers and what you can get out of it. John, take it away. Yeah, I want to do that, but but first I want to mention something that, that I, you know, sometimes I think gets overlooked, and the fact that, like, yeah, patreon is you do have to pay for it and like there's this constant content that you're paying for and you know a lot of people might feel strange like oh why why do i have to give them like money like i don't i don't want to give them money for that but i just want to you know make it clear that like all the patreon money that we're we're getting from our from our patrons is you know that's not going into our pockets you know we're we're not like you know taking we're not taking vacations with that we're putting it back into the show we're we're using it for the the website that we're doing it all goes back to the show it just makes us want to do more and more stuff for you guys we're you know it's going to allow us to go really big when the when the tour comes back whether it's later this year or next year or or whenever you know we're we're going to be able to to use you know the generosity of our patrons and and do some really cool things and but just I just want to let you know that that's been a because a lot that's that's like a hesitation for some people like hey I don't want to I don't, why should I have to give them money for this but you're not giving us money it's all going back into the show so I just wanted to make that clear we ne- we we almost never talk about that but and and because you guys do and are kind enough to give us a donation out of your pockets that's why we try to do our best to give you guys more exactly we, we we try to make sure that there's something on patreon almost every week and if there isn't then we make it up to you way later and and put more on uh you know if, if we had a week where we didn't do anything at all so yeah, yeah it's yeah. just all trying to get back to you guys and we're at 100 plus patrons right now that are freaking awesome wow. that continue to donate and it's very cool because at this point last year we weren't anywhere close to that so it's it's just amazing to see the growth and amazing to see how many people have taken an interest 
interest in this and and john is completely right uh when the tour comes back up a lot of our uh our our funds will be going into uh, trying to get out there and and uh and throw some some events and things like that so you know there are things in the making and hopefully we'll be able to get to them uh whenever we get an announcement but let's uh let's let's give you a little bit of information on the tiers if, if you guys just so happen to be interested in joining yeah, so there's the, we mentioned, you know, just for a dollar a month, that's the bonus leg tier. You get access to all the, the bonus content that we do, all the extra episodes, the Devo episodes. Like I talked about, we did that one on the Lost 1995 album where we went through and, and dug up some improvs and took some things that were written around the time and kind of put this album together. And it kind of had a cohesive theme, and that was really cool. And we kind of do some fun stuff over there. Uh, we do the evolution episodes, which we just did hard to imagine that turn, that was really cool. We were going to be doing given to fly coming up over, over the summer and that's going to be a really good one. So you get access to those, all the, we know we're going to be finishing up our bridge school series. We got one more left. You can go back and listen to all the episodes that we've done about the bridge school series with all the unique songs and performances there. And like all that stuff just goes on and on all the exclusives audio content is there for you plus you know voting in all the polls and we just post random stuff up there sometimes and updates so all that's there for you uh, for five dollars a month you we have the giga leg tier where if there's like a show that you went to or a show that you think we need to cover maybe an underappreciated show in the history you know there are some that that we just we haven't heard that we don't know about and if if you think there's like a hidden gem out there that you'd like us to cover you can upgrade to the five dollar tier and you can suggest a show for us to cover you could even come on the podcast and talk about it with us and those are always great we've we've, we've been trying to knock out knock out a lot of those this year we've had a lot of patreon request episodes and those are always great because you know it we didn't come up with those we didn't find those you guys did so that we we love that and then also we have the ten dollar tier and you know you're getting everything from the one dollar and five dollar tiers all the exclusive episodes you still get to pick an episode but for ten dollars a month those are the people that are helping us out with our uh website project the live on four legs concertpedia we called it the horizon tier as a nod to five horizons of course and those are the people, you know, you're going to get like an executive producer credit on the website. You uh, you can come on and we'll do a profile episode on you where we can talk about your fandom and your history with the band, you know, live and otherwise. And uh, yeah, so that's it. And, you know, it, it's it's recommending, you know, you always say jump in on the one dollar tier. See if you see if you think it's worth it. And then if you if you want to get in it from there, you, you're in it from there. So yeah, our our patrons amazing. We thank all of them. Our our once present and future patrons. Yeah, uh, just just great to to have everybody be a part of this. And and again, 100 plus people. That was a goal that wasn't really a goal. That was just kind of a an afterthought. And uh, when we saw that that would be a possibility we got very excited and and we just know that the possibilities with this community are endless especially when we're able to go out on tour and do stuff like that's that's really where we can get to engage with you guys and and get to be more of of what this podcast really wanted to be and that's just having a presence wherever we go so um more on that one whenever we do our see here now stuff which is is obviously coming when when that event is coming but there is stuff coming for that so all right let's get back into the rock here black starts out our encore and unlike the night prior black isn't being used as kind of a cooldown song they're actually 
able to make it a highlight, let it stand out a little bit more. Have it, you know, they're not gassed during it. They're, they didn't just go through 13 straight songs and completely, you know, run through them like a runaway train. Like, they're able to let this breathe. They're able to let the strong points of the song are able to, to, to show. And, um, you know, we get a, a little bit of a We Belong Together tag in it. And it, it's yeah. kind of, it, it's not the, the We Belong Togethers that we get nowadays where they kind of set it up. It's just during the solo and, it, and it's kind of the same way that they would do it in 92 and 93 kind of deal. And very, very, very good. Uh, you know, even just the three songs that we're getting in, on, in this encore are just interesting to see in the order that they are. But, you know, the way that the, the band is trying to pick them, they're just trying to, again, throw things on the wall, see what works, and I like this. Yeah, it's a little, I think of it as like a little bit of a, a reward. Like, you think about the beginnings, like, oh, we're going to be here for a while. And, like, you think of it, like, from the band's perspective, like, we're going to make them sit through this, like, seated part, which we don't usually do, and we're going to play this weird stuff, and then they're going to sit through, you know, 20 songs. So they they deserve a little bit of we're we're gonna we'll, we'll play something that you know and we'll we'll go back to the old days and, and Black wasn't a hit but it's it's the crowd favorite so yeah this version of Black is very very good not surprisingly the We Belong Together is is fantastic when that came in it like you mentioned like it's it doesn't have the big setup like you get nowadays where it gets real quiet and then it starts but yeah very very good and again just i was transfixed watching it fantastic porch night one if you listen to the night one episode we talked about how porch was very strange it was different it was another thing that was just deconstructed and completely changed however mike wastes no time getting into this one and he just holding out those notes just kind of testing himself a little bit and uh man underrated thing about 1995 mike is that he is drastically drastically improved as a guitarist from the earlier years you can tell how much more in control that he is at this point and you have to think you know he's clean at at this era like you you know this is a clean clear-minded mike uh wearing that attic shirt Right, and the night before he was wearing a Bad Religion shirt. Like uh, in 1994, you can go back to the SNL taping where he was so fucked up he didn't remember what, what, playing Daughter. You know, like that. And now, a year later, almost almost exactly a year later, things have completely turned around, and you can tell that he's more with it. That he's he knows what he's doing. That he's kind of ready to to be on this stage and and feels appropriate there. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because we did the the Neil Jam show and we talked about, you know, kind of watching him kind of play, not second fiddle, but kind of play back up to Neil and like watching him and like not, you know, grabbing the spotlight from Neil. I think this was a big time for him and Mad Season 2. You can't underestimate that playing with playing with Lane and and, you know, those guys had to have been a, a confidence builder for him. So, yeah, he he was this is a good year for Mike. Absolutely. A, a, a time of, of transition. And the yeah, porch is really big. again, very good. Unsurprisingly, um, Stone here's the, is here's the thing. Here's the thing with porch. We usually talk about this bridge. Yeah, I think we just got to talk about how explosive the ending is because we don't ever get into how prominent of an ending this song is and how big of a moment it becomes. 
watching 1994, you know, 1992, 1993, 1994 was the showstopper, right? That was the 10-minute, the 12-minute version where he's jumping and climbing up the rafters, and it's it's all nuts, and, you know... It's a show. Fast, and he's super fast, like, let's play it as fast as we can. And, you know, tearing, like, Rollins Band tags and all that stuff, but this is definitely not that. It's there. They were getting a little weirder on it, which is which fits 1995 perfectly. Yeah, and like I said, it's just a really, really explosive way to it end is. the song, and it, and it gives you just this like this euphoric feeling of just like the band and crowd there singing at the top of their lungs together, doing it together. It's one of those songs that you know it, it kind of is a celebration of life in a way like kind of how alive is and where everybody can kind of come together and get that same kind of feeling from it. Uh, it, it just, it brings that out of everybody and especially it being a, another 10 song from this. And obviously the crowd, you're always going to get crowds that are hung up on 10 songs and that are always yeah. going to go back to that record. So it, it, it makes an impact. Absolutely. But you mentioned a celebration of life. It's almost like it could be a celebration of a goal. Hey, that, that actually works because we've been doing a little campaign. I don't know if you listened to the last episode, but at the end of the episode, we played a little goal song that we want the Seattle Kraken to be paying attention to because we would like the Seattle Kraken to use Porch as their goal song at play porch for the number four goals. Uh, on Twitter, and that's what you can follow to get in touch with the campaign to keep up with it and see what we're doing. We've already gotten in touch with some pretty important people that might be able to make an impact on this, so hang tight on that. Hopefully, we'll be able to get more, but yeah, uh, that would be a fantastic goal celebration. Porch usually is going to end your set, however, it's kind of flip-flopped here reversed and you get immortality instead and i think immortality was used as a set closer or uh at least an encore closer at one of the piss bottle men shows and it sounded really really good and this one's no different um but mike is just is just waiting mike cool. is just waiting for this oh and you can just yeah you can just feel it like even in in the verses you can hear there's little plucks from mike he's just like i'm i'm, I'm just want to just want to get into it. I just want He's to get doing it out. those harmonics, yeah. Once they burst into the solo section, he just holds it out for an eternity and yeah. really lets it go.
this is the showstopper of this. Like, Im- this immortality is is the showstopper because it's yeah, it's, it's that moment when like there's that half second before he starts that solo where you're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, it's it's everything you want it to be. And I think there's a moment. Too, I don't I'm, I don't know that they've we've seen them do this a lot where they all go up to the front row and play. Yeah, that, that was, was very cool. Awesome. Yeah, and, and the night before, they actually kind of did the thing where they hovered around Jack during yeah. during the outro of that. And yeah. what I thought was really cool, and it was unintentional with the visual, but, like, the way that the lighting was on Jack made him kind of look like a white silhouette back there. Hmm. And that all, all four guys that were in front playing towards the crowd, it was just, it's an incredible visual. And probably... Outside of like you know just seeing them playing a sit down set like one of the most powerful of the night I I agree with you that was that was fantastic just another amazing performance and a night of amazing performances right yeah you can't you can't do any wrong absolutely and and uh, they're gonna leave they're gonna come back there's gonna be a one song second encore and that's gonna be for indifference so Ed says one for the road here. And it's in complete dark darkness. You don't see any of the, the mountains, any of the cliff behind them. And, and most of the show is in complete darkness. They don't do much of a light show at the time. There are these little things that are on the amplifiers. They look like plants or something like that. And they're illuminated a little bit. But you don't really see too much else, especially during Indifference. But big moments, you know, the I'll Swallow Poison line elevates the song. Crowd really loves it. And, you know, the, the two songs that you get normally to end sets back to back in these shows are ending your night and and it's funny to see how while things change some things just stay the same and indifference and yellow ledbetter have pretty much from 1995 on have been the standard bearer closing songs yeah and indifference is it's kind of the the unsung closer right it's it's not the one that's the big, you know, party moment, but it's it's like the cool older brother one. This is like kind of a a moodier, kind of like more interesting kind of show. And indifference is perfect for this. I think I don't think Yellow Ledbetter fits this this show. I think it it had to be indifference, and it it's very very good. It's really well, syner- really cool way to end it. There's synergy to it too because. Yeah. You know, you start off the night sort of different and unique mm-hmm. and sitting down. Exactly. And then Jeff is sitting down playing the, the upright on this. And it has that kind of same vibe, even though the other guys are standing up. It has that same vibe of kind of going out the same way you came in. Full and, circle. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, unintentionally makes the show very, very interesting and very, very good. So yeah. now we come to one of the hard Ugh. parts. Not probably the harder part than the ranking, but uh, why don't we try it? Why don't we try giving three moments for this? Uh, can I pick twenty? Like this is. I'm I mean, gonna they have can to just l- go back and listen, re-listen to uh, the episode if you want. Yeah, to do that. the whole episode's been a moment, but I'm gonna have to leave out some that that I absolutely love. Um, you you have to do no Jeremy. That's going to be you my have number to do three. No, Jeremy. I right. don't have to do. It. <laughs> uh, you, yeah. Since for, you did um, it, I might not do speaking, it. Speaking speaking for myself, the way that it started and 
knowing what they know that the crowd didn't know. It's, you know, Ed loves those moments where like he knows something you don't know. And like, this is Jeremy. And then you get that, that moment. And yeah, like I, we talked about it. Like I didn't think it was perfect. It, and it didn't work lyrically. I thought as well as it does musically, but it's just so important for what it was. And again, immortalized on that fan club single from, from 2010. Just amazing. Uh, my number two is Corduroy. Just a jaw-dropping version of Corduroy. Everything we talked about, unbelievable. And uh, I'm going to go back to that, the B-side of that uh, Christmas single for number one, Falling Down. Has to be. You can't go wrong with any of those. Uh, and I think I'm going to go to number three. I'm going to say Blood. Blood was just very intense and brought you know, an intensity that maybe you weren't going to get at the end of the set the first night because they were just kind of blowing themselves out, uh, kind of blown a tire. But I really, I mean, it's a classic, classic, classic version of Blood. Um, I'm also going to go with, I'm having a hard time here. <laughs> uh, you There's know, not a I bad really, answer. Yeah, I, I really like the whipping looking looking back to back. I really like the whipping looking back to back here. I, it just had just kind of coming off alive at this intensity where you're you're thinking, oh well, th- this is the end of the set, right? And nope, they zip you right back into it. I thought that that was a perfect way to do it. And Lucan being a little bit different than uh, than it usually had been known to be played later, I, I thought was was very interesting from this time. So yeah, this that was a really good back to back combo. And then I can't disagree with you. Falling down is the moment. That's that's yeah. the one that sticks out from this show, and you're never gonna get it again. So I'll never get an opportunity to say that again to make it my number one and uh had they played it other times yeah maybe maybe i would have chosen it as my number one but it's just something completely different and something completely unique and makes this show just like no jeremy and even though i didn't put no jeremy in my top three it's represented here so that's what that's what's important and i think for a show like this it is better to try to fill the map out a little bit because there are so many good moments. So that's what we try to do. But uh, yeah, no, Jeremy can't be discounted uh, either, but uh, falling, falling down is, is for me easily the number one moment. Yeah. I think this is, this is a big reason that a lot of people are anticipating that 1996 to 1999 box set, because it turned into a song called fallen. If you go look in your lost dogs liner notes, you can see it on the, the reels there there's a song called a title called fallen and i think a lot of people are are holding out hope that that we will finally get to hear that on that box set so we'll we'll just have to wait and see give the show a 10 just you know because it deserves it eight vitology songs seven versus songs three ototos yeah it it's it's 10 absolutely one of the one of the top 50 shows of their career if not much much higher yeah, uh, there's no argument here, uh, and I think it's even 10 for, for even different reasons. It's, uh, it, it, again, kind of going back to what I said very early in this episode, it's kind of the table setter for other shows that did things like this and that were yeah. that made those shows even more important. You know, this was an experiment before the experiment, and uh, even just with this, the set list con- construction, it was just different than the yeah. night before and different than most of 1995, and it's 
really going to show that, you know, their shows are going to have more depth to them, that they're going to have more staying power and they're going to have more emotional uh, big moments later in their set than they had earlier in their career. So I, I give the show a lot of credit for for the formation of all that. It, so, it lives up to the hype. It's everything. 100%. It's everything you, you want it to be. Absolutely. freaking lutely So, all right. Uh, if you didn't listen to the first episode, then that's over on Patreon. Go ahead, head over there, patreon.com slash live and four legs. And I guess next week, that's, uh, yeah, next week's going to be big because we're going to do Rome 2018. And then I'm going to take a little bit of a sabbatical. I'm going to go on paternity leave after next week uh, because, well, that should yeah, that should speak for itself. Uh, so, John, you're gonna after after next week, you're gonna have some uh, new guests on, and and you're That's gonna right. you're gonna take over. You're gonna anchor the show here, and and July should be very interesting. But before we get into July, we're gonna do Roma 2018, which is obviously a very big a show for classic. the era. Mm-hmm. So we're going out big, and then once I come back, uh, I, I know the show that I'm coming back to, so I'm very excited when I come back. is going to be something really, really big. All right, we'll see you next week for Rome. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer, and although we may be parting ways, we miss you already. We miss you always. Thanks for tuning in, and if you aren't subscribed on any of the platforms, wherever you're listening, are you listening on Spotify or Apple or SoundCloud or Stitcher? It could be anything. It doesn't matter. Just make sure you subscribe because you just never know when we're going to pop in and give you another episode. Or, hey, you get busy with life, and maybe you forget that that our episodes come out on Wednesday. And maybe you just need that little pop-up to tell you, hey, Live on Four Legs episode is out, and then you can be like, all right, I'm saving that for my ride home from work. And that's all you need to just figure out the rest of your day. If you don't have that, then you're not going to know what's what else, what other big stuff is coming down the line because we got some great shows that are coming the rest of the summer and even further after that. So more and more stuff keeps going on and on and on. And if you give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, then we will give you a shout out on the show. So. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll be back, Rome, next week. See you then. How could they make such a fuss over this boy?